welcome to the Hex Night Podcast. I'm David. And I am Ivan. And tonight we are going to ask questions. Um, we have a lot of answers, but they're often answers to things nobody's asking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we're hoping fondly that they're questions to things you should be asking. Uh, but this time, they, these are actually answers to questions that people have asked. Uh, uh, so I spent some time prowling around uh, RPG Reddit and looking for things that people were asking questions about. Um, and I kind of filtered a little bit. I tried to avoid like the really like newbie questions, like what is a D4? You know? <laughs> uh, and I tried to avoid questions that were just kind of like dumb. Like there's a lot, if you've interacted with humans ever on the internet, there's always a lot of like, here's a situation, tell me why I was right kind of crap. Uh, oh, so I try well, to avoid that. I, yeah, they'll, they'll like kind of uh, <laughs> frame the question in a way where it's either antagonistic or it leads to the answer that they want. Yeah, it's like, yeah. either it's like, uh, here's why I was so cool and awesome, and here's why my friend was a massive dick. What do you think? <laughs> or it's a question where you can tell the dude, like, wants to fight with the forum. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to yeah. avoid those and pick ones that would be kind of like good discussion questions. And they're all about tabletop RPGs and sort of a good variety. They're not in any specific order. They were just kind of like how I found them. Mm -hmm. um, I tried to also check uh, RPG Twitter, which is normally okay. Uh, but that night it was just all like fan art of characters. Uh, there were so <laughs> many elves and tieflings. It's not even funny. It's boring <laughs> time. Yeah. Much of the art was really good. Like these people could make actual money um <laughs> drawing stuff and maybe they do but holy shit so i didn't find any questions there but that's fine also <laughs> as a caveat or i don't know disclosure or whatever uh these are not like verbatim i just wrote down like a couple of notes i'll be paraphrasing the question i didn't write down anyone's name because we're not here to like call anyone out and make fun of them or anything yeah um, it's not hunt hunt the sad sack on reddit day <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, but most of these were people who like had good questions or interesting situations nice uh, so yeah so it should be pretty good uh so i guess like without further further shenanigans we'll just kind of like dive into the first one yeah um, yeah totally so the format will be that I'll uh, read out like the question or the concept of the question, and then um, I think you'll take kind of the first stab at like, you know, what you well, think that'll about be the more question. entertaining. It'll be more kind of a, a blind kind of jab in the general direction, and then... yeah, you know, throw a dart <laughs> and whoever screams, uh, they scored. Yes, <laughs> and then we'll just kind of go. Uh, so the first one, uh, I feel like this one is kind of like works in a lot of circumstances because I happen to know, you know, you you have been a musician in the past. <laughs> and the question was from a guy who was definitely like a sad sack uh, for a good reason. Because uh, he had a group where uh, nobody showed up on time. Um, often his players didn't show up at all. Uh, or if they did, it was because he had to like pull teeth and like get them in every which direction. Uh, so mm -hmm. he basically had to be somebody's dad. So yep. if you find out that you're everyone's dad, how do you deal with that? What do you do? Egads. Yeah, that's a bad one, dude. <laughs> I think we've all dealt with that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I mean, humans are humans. We've all like been that person too. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, uh, so how do you, what do you do? Cause that's like a, not really like a game question. Like, it doesn't matter if you're playing Twilight 2000 or Dungeons and Dragons. Like, <laughs> so right. what do you do? 
I mean, the first thing I would do um, is tell people, like, you know, like, gently, mm -hmm. but kind of set the expectations are our big thing. Set proper expectations. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> this is the amount of time this game takes to play generally. Or mm -hmm. you could set it as, are you committed to doing that? And if you're not, that's totally okay. Right. You can like, step away gracefully and we'll figure out something else to do some other time. And then kind yeah. of like whittle down the group to the people that will spend <laughs> that amount of time to play the game. That's, that's no loss to anybody. I think there's also this thing where like everyone assumes you have to have like five players and that's just not true. Like, right. If you end up like a lot of the gaming we've done was with like basically like three people, you know, yeah, one person running the game, two people playing, and that, that was fine. Perfect. Yeah, you maybe you have to swap some things out, but if you can get like two players who are like engaged and like know what week it is, <laughs> that's probably better than having to put up with like five that aren't basically there anyway. And you can't like run any like long story because like one dude is only there like once a month, and, right? Um, yeah. I think also, like, maybe you don't have to play every week if that's not going to work. Like, Oh, totally. Like, if it, if it makes it more realistic that you play twice a month, that's probably okay. Uh, I read Man, a thing. We're running a D&D &D 4 game where we were getting together once a week. And by, mm -hmm. like, session 4, it felt like a chore. You know, right. it's like we're we're paying to go to the gym. Like it, it just became such a slog. <laughs> and we all a couple of us started talking like this. This kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, like um, the game I've been doing is nominally once a week, but realistically, mm -hmm. it's more like three times a month because inevitably, like there'll be something that happens. Yeah. Uh, and it ends up just kind of working out OK that way. Like it doesn't feel like uh, and, you know. Like, we took, you know, time off of the holidays and stuff. So, mm -hmm. like, you can be kind of... I was reading a thing the other day um, from, like, Brazil, I guess. Uh, people were talking about, like, gaming culture in different places. One of the things they cool. mentioned was that, uh, because it's so difficult to, like, schedule things. I don't know if people are, like, super busy or they work really long hours, whatever the case. Uh, so the norm there is to... You only game, like, once a month, usually, but then you game for, like, 10 hours. They just, like, sure. take a whole, whole fucking day. <laughs> Uh, and I've heard something similar from, like, Japan, where, like, everyone works, like, long hours, and you have lots of school projects and stuff, yeah. uh, where, like, they'll game for, you know, like, you'll meet, and you'll just kind of game for, like, three hours, but it's, like, super intense. Like, everyone is, like, super focused. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't have the, like, five hours every week kind of thing, because that's just not the time people have. Yeah. So let me ask you this, then. Uh, mm -hmm. Would you prefer, like, shorter regular sessions or, like, once or twice a month having a, a epic marathon 10 hour jam honestly these days i kind of feel like two hours is like my speed um yeah that's like everyone is like engaged and on it and you don't get that point like halfway through where people start kind of like running out of steam a little bit yeah totally <laughs> uh this might be influenced by the fact that right now the games i run are usually in the evening and people are like coming out of work and stuff mm. so you also have to like Okay, there is a certain people have enough energy for like a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel like even for the 
is on hiatus now, but even for the Sunday game I've been in, which is face-to-face, and like on a Sunday afternoon, uh, we usually play for about three hours, and that's kind of like a good amount. Totally. Um, I think, yeah, I think for me, and I don't know if it's just being old and boring or it's just changing taste, but like the super long sessions uh, feel a little grueling to me. Um, I think I'd rather have like, if you take like three hours and assume that there's like half an hour of bullshit, um, you know, then it's like two and a half hours of like pretty concentrated gaming, you know? Yeah. And then you have a half hour to like talk about like whatever you just found in your coffee cup or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to like six hours where like half of it is just kind of dragging, I think. Um, that Right. That's the issue with the longer sessions. Like there, yeah. there are more, there's, like you said, there's always like a half hour of, of BSing at the start. Hmm. There's a lunch break that usually winds on for like an hour or more. So it's yeah. like how much gaming is actually taking right, place. Right, by the end of it, you only have three hours anyway, but now you set aside like an entire day for it. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think, um, and also, I think conceptually, like if you have, if it's pretty focused in like two and a half hours, you can have like two things happen in the game kind of. So you have like, okay, this session, we're like traveling from here to here and they're going to be like, they're going to meet like a caravan full of weird people and then they're going to get to this place and there's going to be a haunted house. And that's the two things we get to do today. And it's very like, like kind of focused. It's like watching a TV show or something. So yeah, Yeah. I'm into it. Mm. So, all right. Any closing thoughts on that one? Uh, not not really. I mean, so, we got like the two different ways you could deal with. Yeah, that. I mean, some maybe. Ha- so basically, either you have to talk about like, is this the right thing, and or like look at is the way we're doing it the right way. Right. So I yeah I think for different people, either answer is mm-hmm. going to be good. Either periodic like marathon sessions or or regular kind of shorter. Yeah, and also, like, um, nerds are, like, horrible about, like, overcommitting. Yeah. So, like, have people be realistic. Like, hey, dude, I know you're in, like, place 17 MMOs simultaneously. Are you sure you can commit to this? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, like, let's be, you know, and it doesn't have to be, like, super weird because, like, it sucks having to, like, argue with your friends, you know? Certainly, sure does. Uh, Question two. How do I deal with the one player in my group who always wants to play something weird? Uh, so the setup was that no matter what they were playing, this guy would, one, ask to play something that wasn't in the book. And yeah. two, if he couldn't, he would want to play the weirdest thing that possibly could like fit in the campaign. I've actually gamed with a dude like this. Uh, so I'm interested in hearing your take. This guy always wants to be like the weird thing. Not necessarily. He's not necessarily a power gamer. Um, mm. He just wants to be like the weird thing. He wants his character to be something nobody else is. Oh, of course. And that, so. that's totally cool. So, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I think there's a pretty, from my perspective, there's a pretty solid solution that comes up quick. Like, um, force go, them to go operate. Go sit at the kid's table. <laughs> <laughs> that would be one. <laughs> Take your like space brain hippie crap and and go play with <laughs> crayons and right <laughs> glowing posters and shit. But <laughs> uh, I would say if they're gonna do something weird, they have to lay out a story hmm. for that character that puts them in context with the world that 
you've created as as the game master like yeah that, that's a really good point like you know it becomes like okay you want to be this wild weird badass like you got to have the story that explains how they fit in with everything else they can't just be like the x-files mm. beastie <laughs> madness yeah and that also avoids like the headache of it of trying to like okay so i have an elf and a dwarf and a cybernetic space dolphin <laughs> you know like right. how the fuck does this work uh so throw it back like okay you can play some weird bullshit but you have to be committed enough to it that like it's gonna be a legitimate character and i'm not gonna spend like five extra hours figuring out how it works yeah yeah or yeah like they can be weird but don't let them don't let them homebrew their character class like it can be weird but within the confines of the rule book yeah, unless you're, like, really confident, uh, odds are you're going to end up with some bullshit. Right. Um, so I've definitely made that mistake, like, in the past. Uh, for, yeah. yeah. And, like, it also depends on, like, there's weird, um, and there's weird that, like, fucks with the game, you know? Right. Like, if you're trying to play something that has, like, a really strong vibe, um, you know, or just... Like, uh, you, you tell the people, we're going to play superheroes, and we're gonna, all going to be, like, golden age superheroes, you know? Mm-hmm. And then somebody comes with a character who's, like, the Punisher, but a cannibal. Exactly. Like, uh, probably say no to that. Find, like, <laughs> something else he can do. Like, okay, you want to be, like, weird and edgy, but in a golden age context, like, play, like, a weird alien character or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, I think... Um, I think there's a tendency to just, like, say no outright, and maybe <laughs> that's, like, being a little too Viking hat. Well, I just I just had a thought. Uh, yeah, <laughs> typical for me. Oh, uh, what what was that? Dang it! Any, any, anyway, what are the other thoughts do you have on this? Yeah, I think actually I, I kind of like your answer. I think uh, try to like accommodate it, but also turn some of it back on the player. Because uh, I think a lot of times that personality is also like they just want to like push the boundaries of it and they want to see mm-hmm. what they can get away with. So by turning it around and saying, okay, you can do this thing, but you're going to have to put in a bit of work for it. It helps like moderate like, okay, um, it's not enough to just like think up some stupid bullshit. You have to actually like make it a character. Yeah. Oh, so. oh, that that brings me back to it's like if they're going to be a weird, crazy character, then the game world should will I would have the game world penalize them for that. They would be a problem or they would stick out everywhere they went and people would comment on them. They would right, discriminate like, against the character. You can't really like oh. hide in the crowd when you're like a 12 foot tall tree. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so like that, that would, they, you know, there would be repercussions for having a super weird character. Yeah. Like play it. You know, pretty realistically. Unless, again, like, it's a game world where, like, weird shit is the norm. But in that case, like, the weird guy is just the normal guy. Yeah, that's not a problem. <laughs> like, uh, so question number three. Uh, guys running a game, and the players are going around doing things and doing quests and doing all the things. Uh, but he feels that everything is happening too fast. They go clear out a dungeon in, like, two in-game days, even though it's, like, a giant dungeon. Then they roll over to the evil wizard's castle at the end of the week and they kill him and da, da, da. everything is basically just moving too fast. And he felt it was a problem because he wanted this like epic campaign where everything took place over like months and years in game. Right. right. So it's a tough one, man. Like yeah. you don't 
set up the the balancing right or someone's mm-hmm. just got hot hands and they chomp through a, <laughs> and a gosh i i don't even know because i feel like that can just be either a uh a min maxer who's just like mm-hmm. outsmarted the game system itself yeah or, or like mm-hmm. they just had like hot dice one night you know like yeah so sometimes what would you're you, just lucky know, what, what would you counter. do I actually wonder if so. I think there's two parts to it because uh, I think like in most games, most games aren't really set up for like things taking a lot of time. Yeah. Like in D and D, you can usually heal up completely in like at worst a couple of days because uh, you know you have spells and other stuff available. Um, right. So they're not really like set up for anything taking a really long time. Um, so you have to almost like put it somewhere else, like you make it about travel times or you have to give them like, okay, you found like these magic books. So to pinpoint like where the evil wizard castle is, you have to research these books. That'll take a month. So you're going to have to find something else to go do for a month. Like, okay, so we're going to like go check out this place on the map or something like you almost have to like make it stuff like that, I think. Um, mm. unless it's a game where like is like you know a simulation game where like you have months of time for like training and stuff uh like the only game i've run that where it was like deliberately really long uh was the last time i ran horn uh because like healing times is really slow training times really slow and it's just meant to have this kind of like or like uh, pendragon where you play one adventure every year it happens automatically like your adventure might only be two days or a week or something but then when you're done with it you just go home to your mansion right and meet, meet again next spring <laughs> but yeah i think for a lot of like you know D and other stuff like that like they're not really built for like things taking a long time so you have to like come up with it i think or it's, maybe it's just not a problem like you know it could be kind of supercharged like everyone is getting stuff done right yeah, I mean, you could pull like the the Skyrim thing where he just starts scaling up all the creatures and stuff. Like yeah, all of a sudden, like, it gets wildly more difficult as you get further along. Yeah, or you can do some shenanigans, you know, like the bad guy flees at the end of the battle, and now you have to like travel to the to the frost dimension or something. Oh, totally. You know, yeah, like give them more reasons, like go different places. Like tr- I feel like travel is like the thing that'll eat up the most time. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you can instantly teleport everywhere because everyone has like super magic items, then just embrace like shit's gonna happen. Like your epic campaign is a week. <laughs> so I feel like this is a case where like what the guy wanted and what tools he had to do it with was probably the wrong thing. Like he right. should pro- probably just not be playing DMV. <laughs> <laughs> so. Here's here's a thing that that I've used. I I think like entrenching a gaming group in like a war Mm -hmm. where they're like, you know, I don't, you know, like thousands and thousands of, of troops. Yeah. And they got like like a a national scale, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's just by the sheer numbers of things around Mm -hmm. them. And like the weight of the opposition will stop them from doing a lot of things. Yeah, like, if it takes, like, in order to do this thing, we need our army there, and it takes a month to muster them and a month to march them out, and then while they're doing that, we can go do some, like, support stuff or something. But everything, like, ties into, like, okay, things are happening at the speed. They happen on, like, a, you know, a kingdom scale. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think that. 
And that's probably like with if you don't want to make it like super boring, because uh, in that case, it's like, OK, we are operating on like a character scale. We can sip out and do something, but we still have to like coordinate it with like the army or the kingdom or whatever. So it kind of like gives you both. Like you can go out and do like a commando raid on like an enemy camp. And then when the army gets there, you can take part in the battle or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's a good point. That kind of like solves it, I think. Uh, it's one technique to to help. Yeah, um, and I think it's one of those where it's like you know, with a lot of these, even the original questions, if I had copy pasted them, they weren't like super specific about like conditions. Hmm. So you know, uh, question number four. <laughs> um, so this is the opposite of you know, you get people complaining about like the killer GM who's just out to get you. Well, in this case, uh, they were all. Uh, set on like a really tough challenging game and then every time they got in a situation where like the characters were basically just fucked they're gonna lose and die uh, yeah. the gm would come up with some reason why they got saved uh and after a while they started getting frustrated because they <laughs> they knew they had lost but they still kind of like got handed uh so what do you do when the gm doesn't want to kill your characters but you think it's you know we didn't play that well and we should have should have been screwed man <laughs> That's a tough one. It's like the reverse problem, right? I've totally seen this happen. Um, yeah, there was a D and D game I was in, and um, we were in this big fight. And this was notable because it was the first time in the campaign we had, had tough battles, but never ones that were like had really like gotten us to the brink. Mm-hmm. Um, and this had only part of the party there because we had gone to two different locations. Uh, we weren't meant to pick a fight. We just did because we were dummies. <laughs> and what we thought was just going to be like some like skirmishers turned out to be like an enemy like commander who was like way out leveling us. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, so and we try to like cut our losses and run like as soon as we can. But. Uh, one of them, I forget why, like one of the characters was trying to like zip in and grab an item and he gets in a one-on-one fight like our mage with this like f- fucking like evil chaos warlord dude. Um. And there's a moment and we could hear it. Like the GM realized like, fuck. Like this was, n- none of this was meant to happen and there's no way he's going to make it if we roll it out. Right. And it was just like, you could hear like the machine like clunk to a halt and then like, okay, fine. Here's what we're going to do. And we managed to get out. Uh, and in, it was weird because, like, we had never, like, discussed, like, this particular gym runs games that are very story-driven. So character mm-hmm. death isn't normally a thing. Right. Uh, so it wasn't, like, an expectation, but it was a very noticeable moment of, like, you could tell they realized, like, that was the situation. This was not going to go the way that, you know, it was supposed to just be a routine mission if you hadn't been idiots and picked a fight. <laughs> <laughs> So you get in that, like, you set up the uh, encounter. Uh, you have, like, a big story, and, like, the characters need to get to this place or something. You know, one of the players is, like, important to the story, and now they're going to bite it in some cave with some skeletons. What do you do? Yeah, that's <laughs> a bad one, man. Like, do you throw, like, you put time and effort into all this. Do you kind of, like, throw it in the bin? Or do you say, like, okay, fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> um... I, it just depends on the type of game it is, right? So if mm-hmm. it is, if it is a story-oriented game with specific characters that are meant to keep going, mm-hmm. then you just. I think there's yeah. a balance there. You just, I would flub it. 
you know, I would mm-hmm. skip the dice rolls, like... Yeah, just say, like, you know, this guy, like, throws you through a wall and laughs at how pathetic you are or whatever. Yeah, yeah, You know, sure. kind of... Or, like, let them be, like, captured or something. Like, be, like, creative with it. Or, you know, you lose some equipment or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like you can still have penalties it... Penalties without death. Yeah, you can have some, like... If you, the point is, I assume the reason this became a contention is that the players wanted some, like, bite to it. Like, they wanted that if... We lose, we want, like, you know, we lost, right? Yeah. Uh, and in that case, yeah, you have to give it, like, some bite to it. Um, or, like, the enemy gets, like, into vanish in, like, the long-term story, you know? Like, mm-hmm. this, now this, like, evil general, like, knows of your location or something. Um, on the flip side, like, I would absolutely, like, I think I would lean the same way. Like, I would, I don't know, it depends. Um, right. So the funny thing is, almost any game I run now, especially since a lot of it's online, like the dice rolls are visible. Like I don't <laughs> roll secretly. You can see what I rolled. And in spite of that, it's been a long time since we had a character actually die. And, mm. You know, some of that is running games that weren't like super like lethal. Uh, but it's funny that now that there's like no ability to like fluff it if somebody would die, it also like hasn't happened. Cause like, yeah, usually they're really good about like cutting their losses or like being kind of cautious or just tilting the odds you know so, yeah um but it's one of those things yeah at some point it's gonna come up right like people oh yeah grip. <laughs> you hope so you have to like okay um i know i've had a couple of encounters where i've let the enemies like retreat when they got scrapped on a little bit because i felt that what was not meant to be like a big bloody fight um like i just like miss you know miss the odds a little bit right right like uh so and in that case, I'm I think I'm a, I'm okay giving them a bit of an out as long as it seems like pretty plausible. If they put the hurt on a couple of the bad guys, maybe they have enough and they kind of pull back. Mm-hmm. You know, you might not get anything out of the fight, but you don't get to loot the bodies or anything. But in that case, yeah. I think I'm okay with it. I think if like if it's literally like they took their shot and the, it says on the dice that you took twelve damage, you're a goner. I think that's probably where I would try to stick to it. Um, mm-hmm. I think, but like I said, it just now that I couldn't avoid it if it came up, it hasn't come up, which is one of those like weird things. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's also like the group maybe needs to talk to the GM because it's entirely possible the GM wants a game that's just like like I played a lot of D and D games even back in the day when it was supposedly hardcore, where it was just absolutely understood that you didn't really like kill the characters. We've, right. We go and fight monsters and we save the dragon from the princess and we do all the stuff <laughs> uh, but it was just kind of understood that like yeah we're not really gonna like like it wasn't hardcore you know mm-hmm. um and you know like not every game was like that but that was a lot of groups were like that like a right. lot of times when you hear about people who played the same campaign for like five years or let alone like 12 years like their games almost must work like that you know oh yeah they have to you know, unless you just like haven't had a battle in like seven years. In that case, like I want to hear about your game because that sounds <laughs> crazy uh, or cool. But yes, yeah, so I think like maybe there's like just a difference in what game people are playing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but from the player's perspective, if the I think there would I would lean towards like three strikes. Like if the mm-hmm. if the game master nerfs the bad guys in a lethal situation a fourth time mm. i would i would just stop and call it right there like no 
<laughs> yeah, like bring it up, you know, like, hey, we were totally ready to go down to the wire. Right. And, you know, like, tell what their, your expectations are. You can also have a case where, like, you have one player, and this, I think, happens a lot where, like, you have one player who doesn't really like combat in games. They don't think it's yeah. fun, and they don't role play to, like, fight dudes. It's not interesting to them. They want to, like, play the character, or they want to figure out the mystery or whatever. Right, right. Uh, and then, you know, the other dude in the group wants to, like, fight dudes. For him, it's, like, a tactical uh, mm -hmm. thing, and he wants, like, the win and loss. Like, that's part mm -hmm. of the game. And if you have both of them in the same group, you're going to have to, like, sort out some stuff, right? That's a good like, point. Yeah. Like that gets really complicated. So yeah, but I mean, frankly, most of the history of D and D leans towards the kind of zero sum, win mm. and lose guy. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> I gotta like uh, start like having a beer every time the answer is maybe you shouldn't play D and D. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in this case, I think the GM should consider playing something that's maybe not really about like that tactical stuff. Um, okay, so quick interjection. What game would you uh, uh, push? What, what would you <laughs> well, advise people to play? Uh, so in that case, either something that is like very, very forgiving with like stuff, um, you know, like um, you know, a game that has like very readily available healing, so like you could be beat down. Like I think it's okay if you lose, if you can lose the battle, but you're not like scuppering the whole campaign i think a lot of kind of cautious gms are more into that yeah uh but we did just review bushu where you i think literally can't die right, right. so That's you right. know g give that a chance or just like um if i was gonna be an asshole i would say like maybe don't run a game about like a bunch of combat like yeah. you can play campaigns that don't involve like hitting dudes with swords but maybe don't do him in the dragon game where all the dudes on the cover of the book has like giant swords. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Like, what, there are the games that have like, uh, what is like the hero points that you can burn? Yeah, like hero points or like fate points or. Yeah, like, yeah. Totally. Like, even Rollmaster had fate points in one of the books saying, like, hey, we, we get it. Like, those crits can get to you. Here's like what you could do. So, yeah, <laughs> there's some, you have options. Yeah, so look for a game with like fate points. Yeah, or like even that. like at them. I mean, it's not they don't have to be more complicated than like you cannot die like three times, you know. Mm. Uh, no. And I've seen some games. And I'm struggling to like name a title right now, but I've seen some games where it's like you can be defeated in combat, but you can't die unless like it's an explicit decision in like the story. Right. Uh, oh, like a OVA, which is like an animated role playing game that we played like a short game of recently, that's how it works. If you run out of, I think it's called health in that game, you're defeated, whatever that means for you. But unless you're like in at the mercy of an opponent and they want to kill you and none of your friends can save you, you don't die. Cool. Like dying has to be like an explicit thing. And that works pretty well for, you know, like anime stuff, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. So, so yeah, I think there's a lot of options actually to this question. Nice. So, um, question number five. Uh, now that we all live in a world of never-ending plague, and also your gaming group might be scattered across, like, the world, um, what's your, like, setup for, like, gaming remotely? You know, if you have to play a game and you cannot play in person. Right. Good uh, grief. 
And I feel like uh, this is almost like a uh, the same equipment would also like set you up to do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like you need obviously like uh, a good mic and uh, like one thing I realized that isn't really the case is like typically gaming headsets are not very good. Oh really? Often. I, huh. Yeah, my experience I think that's least, what like, most people would go for. Yeah, I mean, like if you're playing on Discord, the sound quality is so bad that you probably won't notice. Uh, but it's one of those things where at least I've noticed like uh, you can have like one dude with like bad audio and it's not such a big deal. Yeah. But like if it's a whole group, it just gets super frustrating. Because mm-hmm. uh, inevitably, like it's just like it never ending like chain of like you know people can't hear anything or they don't understand what's going on or like i think having like good quality audio like matters more yeah so um, i mean let's like yeah uh freaking i mean jitsi what we're using mm-hmm. now has a screen sharing i guess you could do anything with like screen sharing and and decent audio is good so. yeah like uh you can screen share in discord uh so you can take like one window so you can like have a map and you can like show people because uh, the challenge, and I think this is one of the things where, like, you realize, like, how much you rely on, like, physical presence is when you're describing, like, a complex situation. Mm, yeah. You know, like, if you're describing, like, a really, you know, you're setting up the battle and one of the players, like, okay, I don't really understand where everyone is. And you can just grab a piece of paper and draw it, right? Right, right. Like, the orcs are here, you're there, blah, blah, blah. And so if you could screen share, like, you can do all of that. Um you know, you can do MS Paint, or you can have it all like pre-planned. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like apps now, like Roll Twenty and all this stuff. But from my experience, most of those are like super painful and annoying to use. They kind of right. are clunky. I think with Roll Twenty, if you if you pay them some money, you can do some cool stuff with like visuals and audio and stuff yeah, and like I, that. I've seen some that have like dynamic lighting and stuff, uh, where it's almost like a video game, right? But I think it also depends. Like those are really geared towards like D and D, which is, you know, um, you have <laughs> not maps. our jam. I know, uh, <laughs> but it's also like uh, when you have like maps and it can keep track of like your character sheet and stuff. There's all this like mechanistic junk going on. Uh, but yeah, I think like at this base, like you know, you can roll your own Discord server. You don't need anything. Um, so it'll give you screen sharing, make sure everyone has a microphone. Uh, tell people not to use the microphone in their laptop because all you'll hear is just their fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, practice, like, uh, you know, some microphone discipline. Don't talk over each other too much. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, I think it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. You don't have to do, like, Roll20. You don't have to spend a, you don't have to spend a dollar, honestly. Yeah, man, look up people, look up uh, Jitsi. It's pretty sweet. I think it would do the job quite well. Yeah, and you can record off of there. Um, yeah. We had, in one game, uh, the GM was recording so they would have notes later, but they had a hell of a time recording from Discord. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, kind of the opposite of the question before, which is instead of the GM like not killing you, what do you do as a GM when a character has just died? So you're like halfway through your session and the fighter just died. So he can't play now. Right. Do you stop to make him a character? Do you, what do you do? Do you give him something else to do? Do you tell him to like plan his phone for a bit until you get to a point? Like, 
Man, yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> right? Because it depends on this. Like, you could be in any situation, right? Yeah. Like, odds are, if he dies, you're, the group is somewhere that's, like, dangerous. So you can't just... I mean, I guess you could do anything. Uh, like, they yeah, find a fighter I, you in, know, in the I, next I room. I think it's, like, in most games where it's, like... I Practically, in practical terms, what I've done... And maybe I'm not, not the the nicest... <laughs> uh, like I, I would just have him sit off to the side a bit to just carry on through to finish up mm. the major kind of points of the situation, and and like I'd feel obvious. There's always that moment where like everyone's like, "Oh no!" Yeah, like you and can acknowledge, sucks. like, "Oh man!" Yeah, it sucks. Right, you know. But yeah, there's nothing. It's like any game where someone loses and gets knocked out of like a four player risk game or something. It's like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sucks. <laughs> but it's got like that's the game. It's got to keep going. So that, yeah. that's my take. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, if it's a points-based game where you can make a character on your own and the dude knows how, you can just have them start. Like, hey, start like figuring out what kind of character. Like, you know how what the story is. You know, kind of where we're at in the world. So you can make a character that will kind of fit. Right. You know, so nothing wrong with that. Uh, one thing I read a long time ago, and this was apparently common in, um, like, the original, like, D&D groups before the game was published. Yeah. Uh, was that just basically, like, if your character died, and, you know, they were a bunch of cutthroat weirdos, so you probably died a lot. Right. Um, <laughs> you could still, while you were waiting for the GM to, like, let you put your new character in, uh, you could still basically play the game. Like, you were allowed to, like, Give them advice. You could help plan out a thing. You could help them figure out puzzles and stuff. Nice. Uh, because it was this idea that basically, like, it's a group playing the game and, like, your character is just like your avatar. You know? Uh, so, like, and I think, like, um, for people who, like, kind of came into gaming later, there's, like, a feeling of that that's, like, cheating. Like, if he's not there, he shouldn't be able to, blah, blah, blah. But maybe that's, like, down like just let him like help figure out the puzzle <laughs> yeah or, you know. or yeah make give strategic advice on like what what should happen yeah that's totally cool yeah like if you're half like an hour's downtime anyway like he's got to make a new character we got to get to a point where we can introduce the character and maybe you know like i want to talk to you about your new character for a minute but we can't do that like right now like yeah like let the dude or do that like be part of what's going on um mm -hmm. I know some people will have them like uh, I've been in a group where you got to like roll dice for the bad guys. You got to like control one of the monsters in a fight or something. Yeah. Like that. So you can come up with stuff like that. That's a way of getting revenge for the cleric that didn't fucking heal you. And <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, I think you can be creative with it, you know, um, and not make it. Uh, I mean, it's also uh, I know you're big into board games as well. And there's a lot of board games that seem to be kind of shying away from like player elimination like a lot of like euro board games it seems like you just kind of like everyone is part of it um well i so, think it know. like with the fantasy board games i've played it's all or nothing like the mm -hmm. whole group goes down or if one person goes down they become a spirit and like we we're talking about like they they take on this like auxiliary kind of role where they're they can do other wacky things in the background yeah, so, you know, you could borrow a little bit from that. Also, if there's, like, goons or henchmen or something, you can just, like, control one of them, like, for a bit. Right. So, so yeah, not such a big deal. 
Yeah. Uh, question number seven. Uh, when do you roll uh, for a social situation? So this is the old question of, I go up to the guards to t bluff. Mm -hmm. And if my story is really good, should I still have to roll? If my story is really shit, should I be allowed to roll at all? Um, you know, so w when can like role playing bypass the dice roll? Man, that that's a tough one. That is a <laughs> I feel tough like one. it's a question that like ends up saying a lot about like playstyle. Right, right. Because uh, <laughs> I have absolutely like talked to people who like felt it was cheating if you got to like not roll because because you like came up with like a really good lie. Um, and I've also played with people who felt that if they still had to roll, even though they came up with a really good lie, then that was cheating them. Uh, I absolutely see like both sides of that. Mm -hmm. So what's your gut feeling? Like the player goes up, he comes up with a really convincing story. And like, if we weren't like the story is believable and it makes sense, the guards would buy it. Do you have them roll? Uh, you know, it, because a lot of the time, like usually I think the way to to set that up to pay off is mm -hmm. if it's a surprise kind of a surprise for the players and they can't they can't like premeditate something, you know, if someone's quick witted and mm -hmm. they they are able to just blast something out that's convincing, mm -hmm. I say give it to them because sure. that's not easy to do. Most yeah. of the time, like I, I can't couldn't to come up with something really convincing it would be kind of half-baked so yeah i say if they come up with something on the fly that's really sharp like yeah yeah let them have it um in a way i think it's also like like that's a skill right you know like you said not everyone is good at like verbally improvising on the fly right. but like a lot of games we play already reward specific types of skill if you're playing like pathfinder you're rewarded for like understanding how like developing a character works yeah. Uh, if you play a game that has any tactical element, there's players who are good at that, and there's players who absolutely like hate it. Um, so if those are already being like specifically rewarded for their skills, yeah, like reward the player who's like kind of good at like coming up with like fun, interesting like explanations and stuff. Um, and I mean, you can also like I don't think it has to be all or nothing. Like I think a lot of groups will just say, okay, roll with like a plus four. Or, oh, totally. You know, like you can use that. Like every game has some sort of. Um, or if it's like a really bad story, I wouldn't penalize a player for like kind of like stuttering and stammering their way through it. That's just like being awkward in social situations. But like if you're like for players who are like really bad at like they just can't kind of do that stuff, uh, you can have them like describe what they're trying to do. You know, like mm. I, I'm gonna go up and tell the guards that we're just merchants and we're passing through and blah blah blah. And like, okay, is that a good or a bad idea? And then roll at plus minus whatever um, right but right but i increasingly lean on like if they do a really good effort on like the role-playing part like let them have it you know i agree so we that. agree <laughs> yeah i think so uh i don't know if i would always have it agreed i think this is something where my opinion might have changed i might have like i understand the argument that like okay like what you came up with is like the justification for it but we have to roll to see if it like works in the in the story and that's okay, but I feel like I would just rather let them have it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just rewarding some effort, which, yeah, I, I think if you just kind of, like, bypass, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. someone a player puts in a decent amount of effort into a moment and you don't reward them, they aren't going to do it again. Like there's no incentive for them to yeah. add to the game. Right, like yeah, no, that's a very good point. So, yeah, reward them a little bit for going. And you can always, like, rein it in a little. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you don't have to do it every time. But if it's really cool, then, yeah, let, let them get it. Totally. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, question number eight. Uh, I have a player in my group, and he always wants to play the same character. Uh, if we're playing the same game, he'll make the same race and class and basically the same personality and everything. If we're playing something different, he will try to make whatever is closest to that. Right. Uh, what do you do, or should you do? Is this actually a problem? I guess is my question. Yeah, I don't think it is. I right. don't know. It like, depends on... I mean, if it... Probably if you try to... Try to push them into something else, they'll just quit. Yeah, they'll just be unhappy or bored. Yeah, totally. You know. Um, I would be curious, like... Um, okay, so... I agree. I will say there's one version of this. Uh, if the character they play is like some dumb bullshit, uh, like if you're always playing like a trench coat ninja, <laughs> I'm probably going to be a lot, get tired of that a lot faster than if you always play like a sword and board fighter. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Like if the character you want to play is like a fairly standard type that works, like if you always want to play the face, like the social character, mm-hmm. and you always have a tendency you want to play kind of like a high society, like smooth talker type of character, and that's just what you like playing in every game you play, you'll find a way of doing that. Like, okay, right. that can work in Star Wars, that can work in like a gangster game, that can work in a D&D game. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a problem. But if it's like you always want to play like this specific character from like Ninja Scroll or something, <laughs> then maybe it's bad. Uh, I think that's my. I, this one isn't like a super long question, I think, but I if think that's kind of like, like border. Right. If it's kind of borderline breaking the game a little bit, or they're mm-hmm. doing it to get some like, if they got some like superhero thing, they're trying to <laughs> insert a little bit into the game. Then yeah, that's obnoxious. But if they want, if they really like Aragorn, or they've got like their their own like narrative driven fantasy character that they came up with, and they've been developing it for a while, and they just yeah, that's <laughs> not a big deal to me personally. Yeah, like, if the dude wants to play Aragorn, the the Northern Ranger, like let him. I think uh, so. Yeah, yeah, I think. I'm inclined to agree. Like I said, I think if it's like very obviously like a specific fictional character, I think that would irritate me more because it would start bugging me as a GM. Like, but maybe that's just being like what heard about it. Because they they did because they're not willing to put in their own effort to create their own characters. Yeah, in that case, it gets a little like okay. At least like come up with a different anime character this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question number nine. Uh, this isn't really like a wasn't really a problem, but it just stood out to me, uh, which is why are so few role-playing games about actual history? And the guy pointed out that like people read like 500 page books about the forgotten realms. Uh, but nobody is like playing a game set in like Renaissance Italy. Unless it's like Renaissance Italy with wizards or something. Dude. Yeah. That, that's a, <laughs> no, that, that is um, a conundrum. Yeah. It is a good question. Um, it is. You're, you're, Definitely more deeply entrenched in, in all that business. So, what do you think? 
Uh, I think there's a couple of problems, maybe, and this is purely speculation. Uh, one, I think there's just kind of a bias that anything that doesn't have magic is boring. Right. Um, which I think you have to kind of like show why it would be cool. Uh, I think part of it is um, that like in most games, the magic stuff doesn't actually like have anything to do with the story. Like mm-hmm. you could have a cool story about fighting the evil bad guy without anyone casting fireballs. Uh, so I think there's part of that. I think also like people get like, uh, they get worried that they're like going to get it wrong. Right. You know, like, That's if a good playing, point. If we're playing a game in like ancient Rome, especially. So I think part of it, maybe this is like nerds fucked it up. Uh, cause if you're like, if I tell you that we're going to play a game set in like ancient Rome, there's like a hundred percent chance that I am like an ancient Rome, like nerd. And I'm really horny for like togas and that. <laughs> historically accurate like centurion ranks and shit right right uh and that can get like really intimidating because then if i've kind of fuck it up because the only thing i know about rome is like i watched gladiator twice what went hung over <laughs> you, right. you want to play your 300 character yeah exactly like it's not even a fucking roman you just come rolling in with your like spartan helmet yeah yeah uh, yeah and you look really proud of yourself because you like did the research which means right. you watched 300 um uh, <laughs> yeah so there's like either you're gonna be the asshole or like the gm is just gonna be like sick of your shit um, <laughs> and if you're like really burning into this one thing and you're the only one in the group is it's just gonna suck balls like yeah. it'll be terrible um so i think there's some of that um but again, it's also weird because, like, the guy in the question said, like, people will read like 500 pages of like gibberish about the Forgotten Realms, no problem. Yeah. But right. if you give them like 30 pages in like the Holy Roman Empire, they're like their eyes glaze over. So I don't know if it's just like you know, like what's well, the ingrained... association with like legitimate academic study? Like this is real homework to learn real facts, right? You know, or like everyone has like PTSD from like their boring history teacher or something. So we just like, exactly. This resentful and anti-intellectual i don't know i think there's like a lot of like weird factors uh but it's kind of sure like every time i see a game that's like advertised itself as being set like a historical setting it's always like with vampires or something yeah and right like <laughs> i've gotten to the point where i just like refuse any of that crap yeah. unless it's like specific like sort of like mythic history like Arthurian england or like viking age stuff or something and even then just... i have to be like really in, in the mood for it yeah you just gotta kind of tolerate things but uh, we've talked before about this like history mm. is crazy we yeah, like, i did the episode where the the zulu defeated the british empire yeah like there's some crazy shit um you know um and you can go like even like uh you know like um I, i've always thought and i don't know if i would be good at it but i always thought it would be really cool to play in a game that was like set in like a uh, noir setting like you know uh, rain slick like Chicago streets and detectives and six shooters and stuff. Yeah, like that would be really cool. It doesn't have to have any like stupid wizards. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think the answer is that like nerds suck, uh, but also like our history teachers are really boring. Uh, and I think you just have to like be be the cool gym and like make them do it. Either that, <laughs> that or like either put it on the Viking hat if they trust you enough that they're willing to play all the other weird bullshit you came up with. Mm. Like, just trust me on this. It'll be great. Uh, or maybe like feel it out. Like tell them like, Hey, we're going to play this game. It'll be set in like musketeer, or, like era France. It'll be mm. four sessions long. And all you need to do is like have watched some version of the three musketeers. 
that's it. And you Man, play that, just... and they realize that it's actually like, fun, and you're not a complete psycho. Right. <laughs> Then you've won them over and you can like do your epic Roman like patrician campaign or whatever. <laughs> well, then, like where where's the pirates like the Caribbean pirates RPG? Yeah, there's been there's a couple, but like there. nothing anyone has like played and like everyone could get on with that, you know? Yeah. Like especially because like as that exists in like public popular imagination is basically like a fantasy setting to begin with. Right. Yeah, you know, totally. You just tone some elements of that down a little bit. Yeah, like you could have characters who, act, even if magic doesn't exist in the world, your characters think it does. Right. You know, so totally like throw like a voodoo lady in there and see what happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so cool. yeah, like, yeah. Uh, question number 10. If I'm building a dungeon, what is the ideal number of encounters or rooms? There is none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trick question. Um, I will say that a a lot of old like guides, especially like old D anD D, would tell you to put like a fuck ton of rooms. We have all seen mm -hmm. like old dungeon maps and only populate like a third of them. Right. That is some boring fucking bullshit, and your players will be <laughs> sick and tired of yet another empty goddamn room. So don't do that shit. Right, right, um, right. I don't think every room has to have a purpose, but. Like, make most of them. Also, like, who's going to excavate, like, a hundred fucking rooms, like, under a giant mountain? That is a lot of work. Dwarves live a long time, but they also got, like, shit to do in Bills to Bay. So <laughs> they're going to excavate, like, the stuff that they actually need. Yeah. Uh, so I will say, don't be afraid to make your dungeon a little smaller than that. Like, look at those old D&D maps and, like, cut, like, half of it. Oh, for sure. I agree. Um, but other than that, it just... Like, I guess it's, you know, like, are you here to, like, do, like, are we just playing a dungeon, right? Right. Or so is this, like... What I, what it makes me think about is, like, the No Man's Sky kind of, like, proper space simulation, which, in this context, mm. would equal, like, the ancient ruins. Like, yes, yeah. that is legitimate and proper for ancient ruins. But like you said, if a lot of it is empty, which it would be, it's mm. boring as shit. Just like No Man's Sky, a proper context of a giant galaxy, is boring as shit. Yeah, guess what? It's <laughs> a lot of rocks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and I understand before anyone like writes us and wants to pee in our mailbox, I understand the logic that empty rooms <laughs> give you places to rest or retreat to, but mm -hmm. you don't have to have like 30 of them. Exactly. You know, you can have like one or two. It's fine. Uh, one thing you can do, um, I think I've talked in the past about what I call game book style, which is kind of like a gemming style I've developed. Hmm. Um, it it caught me because, um, you know, me and the kid were playing through the Lone Wolf books. There's a fair amount of dungeons, but they're always like a little side thing. They're not like the whole book usually. But one of the things it does, because it's a game book, you know, it's written, you you have choice control over when the player gets to do anything. So what it'll do is that if there's a bunch of, like, dungeon your character explores where there's nothing there, it just narrates past it. Right. And I've started doing that. Uh, I tested it in a Call of Cthulhu game where they were exploring a big mansion. And instead of going room by room, I told them, like, okay... You know, they would tell, okay, we want to start at the bottom floor. And I told, just told them, like, hey, you search through what appears to be, like, the servants' quarters of the mansion. And yeah. you find a bunch of, you know, what you would expect there. But at the e end of one of the hallways, you find a locked door that you can't find a key for. Mm -hmm. So you just narrate past all the boring bullshit. Now, if they want, they can 
bring those elements into focus. If they say, hey, we want to go back through one of those rooms and find some like sheets or jacket, like, okay, maybe the, so you can like focus in. And you well, can still do this if you have a map. Right. Uh, but basically, it works in a dungeon as well. You say, hey, you explore like several passages and side rooms that seem to be like domiciles for the orcs. And after spending 15 minutes doing that, you get to a uh, split in the corridor and you can hear things coming from both sides. So you just. Um, it's not perfect because some people. I guess, want to, like, fucking explore every single room. Uh, well, here's how I would solve that. Like, as mm -hmm. you do the narration for, like, I don't know, 100 square feet of, like, this twisting old-school D&D cor corridors, mm -hmm. you got, if you got the map printed out, if you could, like, break it down into subsections, once yeah. that's done, you put the map out openly on the table for everyone to look at. So if they need mm -hmm. to, like, weave through that, They've got it there. Yeah, you just kind of like point, okay, so you search this area here, which seems to be just like old basements and cellars, but you find, um, you pick out like, you know, if you have it like that, each sector has like one or two interesting things. Yeah. Uh, you can still have your big weird map. Also, like, every time I've like had players draw maps in game, it's just like slowed it down and been boring. Yep. So, <laughs> I thought it would be really cool, and it never is. Um so yeah, I just gave up on that. I'm I just assume they can draw a map or they can the characters can like <laughs> remember their way back. Uh, so yeah, I think the how many encounters you have isn't actually it just depends on like how long they're going to be here, you know. Like, mm -hmm. uh, but like tighten it up, skip some of the boring stuff, and you know, yeah. Well, I think like that goes in hand in hand in hand with your gripes about random encounters. Like all mm -hmm. of a sudden, a game that should have been two to three hours just becomes five hours because you get bogged down in in some like oh god or you throwaway have, like, conflict. Yeah, you have to like count out like how many square feet you're moving and roll. Like oh my god, kill me! Exactly. Uh, that like, that's not that. Ugh. Buzzkill. The funny thing is, like, even dungeon crawling board games don't do that shit. And they are right. only about dungeon crawling square by square. So if it doesn't fucking happen in, when you play Descent or Hero Quest, you can put that stuff in the bin. Dang straight. <laughs> uh, question 11. If you're a GM, why do you enjoy running games? And, um, and the guy in the question went on this whole thing. I was like, well, there's more players than GM. So clearly, like, not everyone enjoys it. And it could be a bunch of trouble. So what do you get out of it? Man. Um, I don't know. In a sense, it's just like, I think in the past, like I figured, I think probably the big one is like introducing a newer game to a people that you hope are open to it. So it's like teaching mm -hmm. people a game that you think is cool. So now you have a group that's going to play it. And like, mm -hmm. I think vice versa, people you've certainly done that for me other mm -hmm. people have too so it's just that would be one and then yeah. like showing something that you think is cool right that's yeah, like a very yeah. nerd thing you know you find like a movie and you want your friends to watch it or you find like a cool band or something right yeah yeah totally so like sharing that and kind of keeping getting getting to play through a few sessions of a game is really cool mm -hmm. and i don't know just building a world like either a person is into building a, a fantasy world or, or whatever mm -hmm. setting or they're not 
I think a lot of people um, become GMs because they are into uh, to building worlds. Yeah. Uh, and world could be like big or small, like it could be a, a city or it could be like a whole like continent and everything. Uh, but I think that's <laughs> if you like got people to like really tell the truth, that's a lot of it. They just like creating stuff like that um, and thinking about like how all these things fit together. I mean, that's a lot of our episodes. You know? Yeah. Talking about how like a world would, you know, if you think about how would a world like logically work, uh, this is a cool challenge. Um, yeah, I think that's a lot of that. Um I think those are two of the like big things. I think you nailed it absolutely. Um, I'm going to be an ass then and give a very <laughs> selfish reason. Uh, That's but, fine. <laughs> uh, I also like running games because that way I know that the game will be run the way I want. <laughs> think a game should be run. Uh, I, I have a pretty big opinion of myself sometimes. Um, it's balanced out by crippling self-doubt, so it's not too bad. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, like sometimes it's, I don't know, like I can get, I, I'm i never a dick. If I'm in a game and it's not run the way I think it should, it's fine. Like I'm here to play. Um, and I try not to like backseat GM or, you know, just be an <laughs> asshole. Uh, but it's definitely like, it'll kind of like bug me, you know. Um, and I don't know if it's just from like having played a lot of like shitty games in the past. Um, you know, like for a while, especially my uh, like high school group. Uh, it was one of the where everyone wanted to run games, which is not often the case. The huh. problem was that like only half the group were any good at it. Yeah. And of those, only half of those could sustain it more than like a couple of sessions. We had a couple of people who could run like a fine. They were like a two two session like GM. They could run like a fine thing. It was just like a quick little dungeon or something. But they couldn't mm. make like a anything longer than that. It just fell apart. And we had a bunch of people who wanted to run games who were really be- fucking bad at it. Uh, so maybe there's some like fallout from that Uh, but there's definitely I think a little bit of like megalomania like uh, I was talking to my wife the other day about it she plays role playing games too Um, Mm -hmm. as you well know but um, I was explaining like I think to be a GM especially in like a large group or like if you're playing with strangers and stuff you kind of have to think a little bit that you're the smartest guy in the room Uh, not from being like self-absorbed but you kind of have to go into it i think to be confident and think like yeah i got this shit i know how right. the rules work i can interpret it on the fly if i don't know the rules it doesn't matter because i got this shit like you kind of have to have a little bit of that vibe you know it's like anything else if you're doing a presentation or something else um the only way i would modify like if i'm in i i would hope when i've set up a game like i've got the coolest idea and mm-hmm. I really want to share this idea for this game that I worked out with people. Mm-hmm. So that's, which is, it's the same thing. I think so. And it's like, <laughs> I think that's actually like a really good way of phrasing. It's like, I came up with this and it's so cool. And I want you guys to see it. Yeah. Like, and I yeah. think that's like where it gets infectious. Like I've played with people uh, back in the day that were not great GMs, but they were like really, really into. So it might only have been like a box standard, like D&D dungeon crawl, but they were like really excited about it. Yeah. And excited about us like fighting the big boss at the end. And it was still cool. It was really fun. Even though it was just like, you know, it was a standard, you know. Right, right. Descriptions weren't that great. The quest didn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) Combat was kind of dull, but they were just like really into it. And that can carry you a long way. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I think showing off cool shit, that's I like that. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, so that's the last question on the list. 
So I was originally going to try to find 20, but I couldn't really find enough that were, like, interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. But in the unlikely event that you were one of the dudes on Reddit, uh, or dudettes, uh, who asked this question, then I hope we gave you an answer, and I hope we weren't mean to you. Um, yeah, you yeah, it. totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like a lot of these were just, they're kind of like, uh, almost like writing prompts, you know? Right, right. You could go on as long as you necessarily wanted to, and we definitely did go on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Any, like, closing thoughts on your part? Uh, It's a little harder, because it's not, like, an obvious conclusion, right? Right, right, right. it's not, like, one topic. Right, right. I mean... I think it's just, like, understanding... Man, I think there are two big things. Like, recognizing when things get bogged down and like Mm. too much detail or too many rules and like figuring out how to get out of that and just knowing what hopefully matching up well with what the GM and the players want. Yeah. Like, and not be like, it seems to get overwhelmed and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, you kind of lose track of like what actually matters. I think that comes up a lot of times where you have like, you know, like you're in the situation, somebody wants to do something and there's like, there's the answer that's like correct in the rules, but you have to stop the game and like pay through the book mm-hmm. or that you can bullshit an answer out. That's probably okay. Uh, but maybe completely wrong. But right. Keep, keep stuff moving along. Right. It's like one of those little tests. Yeah. Um, and you know, like sometimes, I don't know, like sometimes I appreciate like noting the exact rule because I'm a rules nerd, but <laughs> Like, sometimes it's also fine. Like, okay, I don't remember how the fart piss works. For right now, we're going to say that being on fire does this much damage. Sure. You know, like, <laughs> that's all you need. And in the end, unless your players are, like, really hardcore, like, rules dudes, they probably don't care that much either. They care that, like, the situation is interesting and that they have a chance. Sure. You know, so, yeah. Uh, don't get bogged down in, like, this the detail that doesn't matter like focus in on what actually does matter to you what matters to your group um what are they here to do you know totally uh which is funny because that's always one of the things that like every guy to like being a gym i've ever read will always ask like oh yeah make sure you know like what your players into what are they here to do what kind of players are they but it almost never talks about like what kind of gm are you what kind of stuff are you here to do (laughs) and you know like gms burn out if you're not doing stuff that's like interesting to you yeah, um, that is like true. A couple, a couple of years ago, I made sort of a, uh, I'm not going to say a vow, because that makes it sound like I was standing on a mountaintop and like with a blood-soaked fist to the sky or something, uh, like a Man of War album cover. Um, but I made <laughs> it like a, a deal with myself, basically, that I was not going to run like games I didn't want to run anymore. Like, just not going to do it. I'm only going to run games that I'm into. And luckily, you know, like I know people that are interested in playing like weird bullshit, uh, so mm-hmm. you can get away with it. And you may not be in that situation. Sometimes you have to, if the one group that you like hanging out with, they play Pathfinder, then guess what? You're probably playing Pathfinder for a while. Uh, so, you know, sometimes that's not a luxury you have, but like, yeah, it was just an important moment for me because I realized if I was running something that I didn't care about, I just wouldn't, it would just burn me out real fast. Mm-hmm. You know, you just totally. lose interest and, um, and I think that's like really important to like figure out and like piece together for yourself. Yeah, I agree. 
So that's not a bad like closing uh, closing statement, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I approve. So. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess that was kind of it for the night. It's a brand new year full of opportunities and, you know, things, plague. <laughs> that, that's winding down, man. I, yeah, I, I think we're coming out of the end of it. It feels like uh, historical times in a way, in that sense, you know. Right. So, hey, score one for that. Uh, we can go back. Uh, what's actually going to happen is all these people who like moved their uh, RPG campaigns online because of the of COVID, but now they're gaming with people that don't live anywhere near them, so now they're going to have to keep playing online. Because <laughs> now their gaming group is like one dude from like um, from India, like two dudes from like Arkansas, and one dude in Massachusetts, and one Canadian. Uh, so they're not really going to be able to like swing over to Joe's place on Fridays. <laughs> So, like, we had a dude from uh, Egypt in one group, so it was scattered. Yeah, yeah. How, how'd you like that? It worked out pretty well. It was pretty brutal. It only worked because he was in uh, in college, so he basically slept, like, in the afternoon and was awake in the middle of the night. Because uh, <laughs> otherwise, the time difference would have made it, like, not work at all. Yeah. Uh, so, in that sense, it worked. Uh, but it was had to be kind of situational. I mean, he, he spoke really good English, uh, so... Like, we didn't have a language barrier, but yeah, time differences can be absolutely brutal. Uh, yeah. You know, like, we were, like, six or seven hours ahead, I think, eight hours, something like that. So whenever we were playing in the evening, it was, like, three in the morning for him. He was just, like, getting up. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, you have to, like, make some allowances. Um, so, but yeah. So I hope everyone is getting ready to, like, resume life, kind of. I hope some of these questions were interesting to you and gave you something to think about. Um, but otherwise, we offer a 100% money back guarantee. Everything you paid for download this podcast, we will <laughs> send to a charity of your choice. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, 2022, folks, uh, have a great new year. Uh, I guess that's what, it. The next new year? <laughs> oh, you mean well, like, look, <laughs> like. Oh, I'm sorry. In my brain, it was like, you know, New Year's Eve, because we just had New Year's Eve. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't mean to be a dick. Um, uh, that's fine. I, I was just saying, you know, here yeah. we are. Yes, a great new year. And also a great new year if you are listening to this episode, like, next new year. You know, you're <laughs> a year behind you, just like catching up on episodes. I guess it's possible. So, yeah, so, you know, it might be a, a year of trying out some new things for the podcast, or maybe we'll just do the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> We don't really, like, plan these things. Maybe we should uh, do an episode uh, where we talk about, like, how we do these things. Yeah. Maybe it not is. a full episode, because we're not that exciting, but, like, a little <laughs> behind the, the curtains. Maybe that'll be... Tune in next time and find out, because we may have forgotten that we plan to do that. <laughs> <laughs> have a good night, guys. Good night.